Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. True Hauntings is a Frightfully Good production. Panic Chase is rumoured to be a portal to another dimension. Supernatural creatures such as werewolves, black dogs, demonic entities, UFOs, British big cats and even Bigfoot have been sighted here. In the 1940s, a creepy pigman was seen and there are several claims of people also seeing a black-eyed girl. Canic Chase in Staffordshire, England is a former royal forest with a long history of paranormal activity. The most famous ghost, known as the Lady of the Chase, has been witnessed by many visitors to the area. She's been described as tall and slim, with large, dark, hypnotic eyes. The wood is also home to sightings of children heard screaming, some believing them to be the victims of murderer Raymond Leslie Morris. Hi, I'm Renata. And I'm Anne. And in this episode of the True Hauntings podcast, we put on our walking shoes and go tramping through the chase to find out for ourselves why this place has such a diverse history of hauntings. Could it really be a portal to the other side? Anne and Renata have been investigating paranormal occurrences for the past 20 years. They have been at the center of various unexplained phenomena and have witnessed countless ghostly experiences. The duo now turn to high-profile cases that have attracted the eyes of the world. Between the dimensions we see and the dimensions we don't, supernatural forces are at play. Evil lurks within the shadows of our homes and in the darkest corners of our minds. It follows us like a shadow forever. This is where nightmares become reality. This is True Hauntings. Hello Anne and welcome back. Yay, we're back, we're back, we're back. We have returned. We've had a little bit of a break, just a wee bit of a break. Mm-hmm. I think uh, we recorded one about 10 days ago mm-hmm. and now we're, we're cracking them back out again because we've got a big year in 2023. Oh, haven't we just... Boy, we've worked out that today it's 19 weeks until we go to the UK. Uh-huh. 
Oh, I'm yeah. excited. Mm. Oh, I'm very excited. Yes. Did you have a good Christmas? Uh, it was a quiet Christmas, which was good. You had doggy trauma. I had doggy trauma. At uh, Christmas. Uh, yeah. That was Merry Christmas. Thanks, Santa. Yes. Bugger off. Yes, our little puggy or one of our little puggies had some issues that had to be dealt with. Um, so, yes, that was a little bit of a – I didn't want to start the new year on a, a bad a – bad, um, no, well, that was last year, so that's fine. Yeah, yeah. This, but it would have gone into the new year. But in in saying that, there well, are a lot funny of people. You should have, say but because that's what the problem was. Yes, it, it was, was his butt, <laughs> and he's now been shaved. So it's really funny. He's a little black pug with a bare bottom. Yes, with a very bare bottom. <laughs> that's very very ugly. Oh, um, how yes. can you say that about oh, your boy? It is very ugly. It's <laughs> horrible. You don't want to look at it. Um, but yes, so we've we've gotten through that, and you went for a little holiday away with the fam band. Oh, I did. I went into Megalong Valley. Uh, it was my husband's sixtieth birthday, and two days later, it was my son's thirtieth birthday. So we thought, why not? Why not all head off somewhere? And at first, we're going to do a little cruise over <laughs> New Year's because that's my husband's birthday is New Year's, mm-hmm. and Alex is the second of January. But um, oh, Cruises for that many people, for six adults and, and three kiddies, was a bit expensive. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we thought, oh, well, we'll just hire a house somewhere. Mm-hmm. Oh, my God. That was bloody expensive too, <laughs> but we did it. We did it because we thought this is a special one. You know, yeah. it's 60 and 30. That's that's wonderful. So we found this property in the Megalong Valley in the Blue Mountains of New South Wales. Absolutely stunning. It's off-the-grid, solar-powered Um we had Wi-Fi. Mm-hmm. I was a happy bunny. Mm-hmm. Um, problem being that the walls were very thin, mm-hmm. very, very thin. Mm-hmm. Um, so we were all, all the adult couples were very well behaved, mm-hmm. but the children, <laughs> we put the children, the two oldest ones upstairs, that's a five and a six-year-old, and Ruby, who was 18 months, was downstairs in the bedroom next to us. And uh, Ruru, um, she would wake up around about midnight and scream, and then she'd wake up at 3 a.m. and scream, and then the older kids would get up at 7 a.m., and they were upstairs on the wooden floorboards that had no insulation whatsoever, so you'd hear a boom, 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 boom. Mm-hmm. So um, I didn't sleep for the first four nights. Oh no! It was uh, it was exhausting, but we had the best time with them. I, I yeah, a bit of lost sleep. That's okay. Who cares? Um, we all got on really well, and my son and and daughter in law cooked up a storm for us, and we all washed and cleaned without complaining. And I won in Monopoly, so oh, I'm happy. Jeez, <laughs> awesome! But yeah, that was my um my New Year. But uh, I'm I'm back two days now, and it's just pouring rain outside. Can you hear that going out there? Yes, I thought Fabul- it was my fan. Fabulous, fabulous. No, it's not the fan. It's uh, the yeah. rain is pouring down. Ah, but we're back yes. with a vengeance. Yes, and uh, we have a lot of great stories to share this year. We've already got a list as long as your arm. Yeah, you've been very organised to get through. Yes, I've been. I've been working. One of us has been working. Oh, I've been just floundering around the place, <laughs> sitting on verandas, sipping yeah. coffee, looking at the cows, yeah. going moo. Um, but yes, so it's going to be a fantastic year with uh, episodes. So please stick with us, share it around, and uh, let's get stuck into this one. Okay. Five years ago, back in the boy racer days on New Year's Eve, me and one of my best friends, Will, were out in his car. Everybody that we both knew were either out doing their own thing for the night or just being boring and staying in. 
We both didn't really have the money to go out drinking and partying after Christmas, so we both thought, why not throw 10 quid in the tank and go a drive around blasting? The night started off like any normal night out in the car, or cruising as it's commonly known, but for some strange and unknown reason, Will decided to drive through Cannock Chase, about two miles from our home at Hedensford. This area is famous for sightings of black panthers, a large snake, and even a Bigfoot or a werewolf-like creature. After driving around for about an hour and a half or so, the time was drawing close to midnight. I'd brought a couple of cans of lager out with us to bring in the new year, so we decided to park up in a small car park to let the new year in. We tuned the car's stereo into the radio as we both had a laugh talking about the New Year's resolutions that we'd not stick to. To cut a long story short, the chimes of Big Ben rung through the speakers of the car and we both cracked open our cans and toasted the New Year. We sat there for about another half an hour when Will suddenly flinched and said, Did you just move your arm behind me then? Bearing in mind that... One hand was holding my can and the other hand was on my mobile phone. Will suddenly turned the key in the ignition barrel, rammed the car into first and floored the car wheel spinning down the road. We were parked up about 300 metres from the Baptist College. Will hurtled past the building over the junction without looking and onto the gravel car park opposite when he suddenly pulled the handbrake up, spinning the car around 180 degrees. He then immediately threw open the driver's side door and started being violently sick. I I said to him, confused, shaken up and angrily, What the bloody hell are you doing, you idiot? But as I looked at him with the interior light shining on him, I could see fear in his eyes and his face was completely white. He just looked at me for a few minutes and said, I saw like a black shadow move from behind you and across the back of me. And then he said, let's just get out of here. And he floored the car out of the car park and off right up towards Pie Green. But things weren't over then. The car all of a sudden lost most of its power. Even as Will changed down from third into first, the car still had no power. Even at the red line. I could see Will putting his right foot firmly down on the pedal. It was like something was intentionally holding the car back. We slowly got to the next junction and turned left into it and still moving slowly when the car suddenly got its power back. Will put his foot down as we quickly got off Canic Chase and we parked up on a nearby car park at the bottom end of Pie Green. Will turned off the ignition. He said, Oh, I don't know what that was, but it scared the crap out of me. I know Will wasn't trying to play a prank on me or scare me because of the way he looked and how he was shaking when we parked up, but whatever or whoever it was scared us half to death. So that's why I thought I'd post this story on here. I've only ever seen one spirit, and that was my late granddad John who sadly passed away in the mid-90s from cancer. He was sitting in the back seat of my car a couple of weeks after I'd passed my test when I looked in my rear-view mirror and I noticed him smiling at me. Ironically, this was as I was driving across the chase too. 
I've driven past the place where this happened tons of times on my own, with a friend, and at all times of day and night, but haven't seen anything happen since. Now that one actually came from uh, a website where people put their own stories up of what really happened to them. And this was by Vavavoom. And it's actually dated from 2012. Mm -hmm. So it's a 10-year-old story. Mm -hmm. Uh, But they've had a lot of things happen in Canic Chase. And I'd just like to say that this story is brought to us by one of our grand poobars. Yes. Joanne. Joanne, thank you for this. Now, Joanne sent us a whole heap of books on Canic Chase, Mm -hmm. and she lives out that way. Yes. So this was a request. So thank you, Joanne. We're finally doing it. Yay! Thank you, Joanne. As I was going through my information on Canic Chase, there was only one question in my mind the whole time. Why in the hell is this place so filled with all of these alleged ghosts? Yep, it's like every horror trope you can think yeah. of is there. Yep, yep. If someone's, Everyone. Someone's opened the door and every creature known to man yep. is there and coming out. It's like they've got the dictionary of paranormal experiences and they've gone through and they've checked off every single one of them <laughs> yes. to say, yep, we've covered them That's all happened. at this location. So what is special about this location? Well, I can't find it. <laughs> I can't find that special key. I really can't and I dug deep i even went into the ground of it i literally dug into the ground to go you there, put your hands there into must the be something earth. in the ground itself that is like a magnifier or a you know something that brings this energy into the into the space but no no mm. there's nothing really that kind of no Native American burial grounds? No, no, no. Oh, that's one of the things we didn't tick off. <laughs> oh, no, it's not there, is it? No. Oh, that's strange. Somebody could have brought the bones across. <laughs> <laughs> so we know that Canuck Chase was a former royal forest and it consists of some parts that are uh, woodland, some parts that are open hearthland, and there are a few small lakes. And it's been designated as an area of outstanding beauty. Now, I reckon that we drove through it on our way up to che- Sheffield and we didn't know oh. because we were down uh, Cornwall Way mm-hmm. and we had to drive all the way up to Sheffield mm-hmm. and I reckon we, we must have driven through some of it. Mm-hmm. So there used to be a lot of coal mining in the area and there is still some evidence that tells us that within the chase there are many tunnels underneath the forest. Now, this lends itself to maybe one of the so-called theories Mm -hmm. of why this place might be so haunted because of all the tunnels under the ground. Ooh, I like a tunnel. Do you talk about that? Um, No. Oh, okay. (laughs) So I'll get a little bit more into that in a minute. Now, in 2016... Um, the 1,000th anniversary of the forest in Staffordshire uh, was um, marked off and the first mention of it in the Anglo-Saxon Chronicle. Oh, that sounds like a thriller, that oh, one. yeah, appeared 1,000 years ago. And now the Anglo-Saxon Anglo-Saxon 
Chronicle, <laughs> yeah, don't get, you may don't be get asking on that what one. that is. That's a collection of records of events that are written in ye olde Englishy. Ye olde Englishy, yeah. And it's chronicling the history of the Anglo-Saxon Saxons. Oh, <laughs> You've got sex on the brain, Anglo, woman. <laughs> the Anglo-Saxons in <laughs> Saxons in ah, um, ah, in, the United, in the United Kingdom. <laughs> Now, the original manuscript of the Chronicle was created in the late 9th century during the reign of Alfred the Great. Uh, so that was circa 1871 to 18... Did you know uh, Alfred? Sorry, eight, 871 to 899. No, I didn't. No, he was no. great. Yes, he was. Now... <laughs> Multiple copies of this Anglo-Saxon chronicles were made and they were distributed around the monasteries of England. It was a bestseller. And then they were independently updated. I love how you're making the hand movements yeah. of distributing yes. them around. <laughs> what are you, a paper boy? <laughs> and in, in one case, the chronicle was still actively being updated in 1154. So it was like the, um, the, the kind of the... Um, Census of yep. the time. Ah, mm-hmm. like the, the doomsday? Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah. yeah. But, but just for that particular area. Yep. And so, of course, it was the monks that were doing all the writing. So they would get a draft copy and that was all the same. And then they would just add on in their area what was going on. They didn't have liquid paper in those no, days No, they either. didn't. They used to write in the in the, in the columns. Columns, yeah. Mm. Yeah. Go. That's fascinating. Shit. I never saw a like a shit made a mistake or something. <laughs> <laughs> Draw um, a pretty picture over the top of that. that. Maybe that's how all that beautiful artwork came about maybe. in the columns because somebody stuffed up and then yeah. oh, it's like tattoos that have gone wrong. You've got to do a cover up on mm-hmm, it so that you can mm-hmm. uh, hide your mistake. Mm. Look, I know that was that, that was just so exciting. That I amount, know. I, I had to it's just. I'm the, moist. Look, just oh, please don't. <laughs> It was just like, you know, but when you think a thousand years, a thousand years of history that's been Mm. written, written. Written. So therefore it is true. That's right. Now, at 26 square miles, that's all it is. It's England's smallest mainland area of outstanding beauty, natural beauty. But 60% of the chase is open access. So that means that people will have the right to roam Mm -hmm. in it. And those that look after the chase now say that most of the problems are stemming from those that go off the path. Or never leave the path. So, you know, the the people that look after the place, they just try desperately to say to people, please stay on the path. Don't go off the path Mm -hmm. because you're naughty. Mm Mm-hmm. Right. You're trampling on the beautiful yeah. countryside. Or you can fall down ditches and holes and break oh, your leg or, or disappear and whatever. And, like, who's going to find you? Yeah, and the black-eyed child will get you. Watch out. Absolutely. Now, going back to 1086, oh, because we can, mm-hmm. uh, William the Conqueror decided to make the forest a royal hunting ground. Mm-hmm. So he'd be out there with his bows and arrows and say, kill that. Kill that deer. Stabby, stabby the deer. Yes. Kill whatever is flying. Just kill everything. Kill everything because I'm William the Conqueror and I can. And I conquer all. Now, interestingly enough, some fallow deer still roam free in the area and it's believed that they are actually um, from the original herd that was introduced in Norman times. Oh, remember Chillingham Castle? Yes. They had the special cows? Yes, the special cows. Yeah. I do like to have special things. Mm, dear. By the way, you're not, not lisping. Eat, not to eat them. Oh, I do. I eat them. 
Yeah, I'm old. No, you're not lisping. Up. No, I'm not. You've got a beautiful tooth there. Thank you. It cost me a lot of money. <laughs> now, the rights for hunting were then passed to the bishops of Lichfield and Coventry in the 13th century. And at Castle Ring, which is also in the chase, it's just... Yeah, got a bit I'm of not, everything. Yeah, my mind goes somewhere else when you say Castle Ring, but never mind. And it was origin. Um, and Castle Ring was an original, originally an Iron Age hill fort settlement. Mm-hmm. Now that whole area has probably the biggest concentration of hill forts um, in the whole of England. And they reckon it's the the best example of a surviving one. Yes, yes. That another is best, another thing to be proud of. Yes. Now, following the dissolution of the monasteries by Henry VIII, kill them all. They loved killing, killing, mutilating, oh, murdering, putting them on spikes. Chop their heads off. Yeah, all of that sort of stuff. Put them on racks, yeah. stretch them. Stretch them out until their tendons burst and their muscles. Thanks. I hope none of the kiddies are listening to this one. (laughs) Thanks for that, Renata. Uh, And the land was sold off to Sir William Paget. And he was a lawyer and a statesman. Uh Oh. And he converted the medieval hall uh, that was part of an old hunting lodge near the Castle Ring fort uh, into a grand manor house. And he started the process of altering the whole landscape of the chase and he started to actually try and make some money out of the area so they started excavating and creating shallow bell pits mm-hmm. for ironstone and coal oh yes i remember doing that in one of the stories i think we did for uh, spooky sundays yes we talked about that yeah and they cut down all of the large forest areas of course for the fuel that was needed for um, the smelting of the iron ore. Now, stabby, stabby, choppy, choppy. Bell pits. Bell pits. Bell pits. So this is kind of early coal mining where you go oh. in from the top and go down right. rather than come in from the side and go across. Right. And so you kind of dig a little hole from the top mm-hmm. and you kind of go down mm-hmm. until you reach the coal. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so they can either put a bucket down, oops, bucket down in, I'm doing hand yeah. hand signals. She's Italian, a, I swear. A bucket down in uh, to get the coal and then put it up. Mm-hmm. And it's small enough for people to come down. And then when they get to the coal area, that's when it sort of comes out at either side. So it looks like a big bell. Ah, hence the reason why it's called the bell pit. Yes. <gasps> Very and, clever. And they have shown aerial photographs of these bell pits. And um, whatever instruments they use can kind of go through the vegetation and can see the holes on the top of the ground where the bell pits are. And there's like areas where there's hundreds of them. Mm. Now, communities grew up around the industries that were on the chase. And as we mentioned, bell pits and um, glassworks, brick making, tile making and the manufacture of some small tools. A lot of industry. Yes. And by the mid-18th century, coal mining activity increased a lot because of the demand of coal, and it reduced again during the 20th century because a lot of the mines gradually closed down. Now, there were some deaths. Not surprised. In the mines. And uh, one of the major mine disasters happened in 1868. Yeah, they didn't have very good safety standards back then. When um, 
a lot of men died. Now, the oldest man that died was 60 years old, John Budlow. But the youngest one that died was 13. Oh, no. James Dennis. Oh. And then there was a 16-year-old, a 15-year-old and an 18-year-old. Those young people today don't realise just how good they've got it. Yes. They complain about working at Macca's. It could be down the bloody mine. That's right. Not, uh, not, winters. Seeing, not seeing daylight for 10 hours. <laughs> And the last shift in a mine in Cannock Chase happened in 1960. So they were still mining all the way up till then. Mm. Now, the Chase also had an important role in World War I. The Earl of Lichfield, the then landowner, he granted permission for two large military training camps to be built on some of the land. And this is, again, where some of the myths and legends abound. Yes, I do talk about that one. Mm -hmm. Yes. So in the space of eight months, Brockton and Rugley camps were designed to hold, get this, 20,000 men each. 20,000? 20,000 at any one time and more than 500,000 soldiers passed through them during the course of the war. Wow. Wowzers. Wow. Now, there was also a base for the New Zealand Rifle Brigade. New Zealanders. Excuse me. What are they doing there? Um, and there was be a, a section, <laughs> a section um, that became a POW camp. Now, the camps were basically little, little towns on the chase. They had their own railway lines. They had their own roads, their own sewage system, their own shops, and even a picture house. Oh, movie theatre. A theatre. Now, there was also a 12-ward hospital that was established at Brindley Heath, mm-hmm. where they carried on treating gas attack and shell shock victims until 1924. And whatever else they did that they wouldn't say to anyone because it was... Secret. Secret, very secret. Top secret. Yeah, I'm sure. But get this, get this. One of the best known World War One occupants of the Canuck Chase complex was J.R.R. Tolkien. <gasps> oh, really? Yes. Oh. He trained and lived locally and recovered from his injuries at the chase. I wonder if he got inspired by the woodlands. He did. He did. And they had New Zealanders there. It's all coming together. I know. (laughs) Many people believe that several parts of the chase inspired scenes in in the Lord of the Rings trilogy. I've got goosebumps, Renata. Yes. So those that died on the chase during the war, um, many of them were victims of the Spanish influenza that broke out in 1918. They were buried at the Commonwealth War Cemetery at the edge of the moorland. And a little further along, there is a German cemetery. This is what I found really interesting, that they buried both sides mm-hmm. of war victims. Yep, with respect. In this one space, yep. So uh, anyone that died... Um, went to the German cemetery, that was German, of course, um, and that was chosen in 1959 as a final resting place for all Germans who died on British soil during both world wars. So they'd dig them up and they'd put them there. Now, a further memorial stands on the chase, which is a kind of a close connection to me, and that's in the memory of 14,000 members of the Polish armed forces who were executed by the Russians in Katyn Forest in 1940. Let me tell you a bit of a story about that. Oh, please do. They actually um, invited the uh, upper echelon of the armies 
to this particular place. They put them all in trucks. So these people never knew what was coming. And uh, they were literally loaded off the trucks into a building where there was a person standing there with a shotgun. And one by one, they would shoot them. And just they dug holes in this um, forest in Katin and they just dropped them in there. And these people disappeared off the map. Wow. They just and so truckloads of these officers would come in, no one knowing what had happened previously. Yep. And they thought if they just shoot them all and get rid of them, then that top area of command would be gone and it would be easy to take Poland over. Wow. So that's fourteen thousand people. Um I did read somewhere else it was twenty thousand, so you know give or take a couple of thousand. Yeah. But that's terrible. Yeah. And they didn't find out about this until relatively not long ago, where they actually dug up um, the forest and found the bodies. Mm. So it's, yeah. I bet that forest crazy. is haunted. Yeah, absolutely. Now, um, in 1957, more than 2,000 acres of Cannock Chase was gifted to Staffordshire County Council by Lord Litchfield. And the ruin of the Celtic fort, the the ring, the ring fort, the ring fort, um, dates back about two thousand years. And um, Jesus, the stories that he could tell. Well, I've got a very interesting story about that one, which I'll start off with when we when I get going. Mm-hmm. Um, well, very close to the start because yep. it's funny. Yeah, yeah. And um, now the defensive walls are still intact, which is you know absolutely amazing to see. And it kind of creates this eerie space within the forest. It's all surrounded by trees. Apparently, you can't kind of see it as you're going up towards it. And there was a local British tribe called the, I'm going to butcher this, the Cornavai British tribe. Uh, Apparently, there were two by this name, but we're talking about the local one. And they occupied the space uh, and apparently, allegedly... Allegedly, they practice blood sacrifice in the forest mm-hmm. and rituals there. But when I went looking for it in the history, um, they said, nah, nah, they were, no, nah, they, they weren't warfaring people well, well, at can, all. Can I just, since you've touched on that now, yeah. I'm, I'm just going to throw my little bit in there as well. Um, that particular castle ring, um, they said that they were, belie- uh, they were believed to do the blood sacrifice. And performed satanic rituals. Now, yeah, is there a slight problem with that? Yes, there, What's very the much. problem with that, Renata? Two thousand years ago? Yeah, before Satan had a name. Yeah, Satan didn't exist back no, then. No, he did not. So they, were, they were doing satanic rituals. Yes, yes. <sighs> right. Yes. Okay. Anyway, Don't get me started on that I'm one. I'm nearly done. I'm nearly no, done. No, no, you're right. Now, in the 1960s, the forest became known as a site of a terrible crime when the bodies of three little girls were found, and this is um, referred to as the Canuck Chase murders uh, and also known as the A34 murders and the Babes in the Ditch murders. That's terrible. It is. Uh, And, of course, it made headlines all over England immediately when it hit newspapers. The little girls were were just so young. They were five and seven years old. And the murders occurred between 1965 and 1967. It's the same as as my little granddaughter, Charlie. Yeah. Now, a man named Raymond Leslie Morris was arrested in 1968. 
while he attempted allegedly to take a potential fourth victim. Mm. Now, he was linked to at least one of the three murders and was sentenced to life imprisonment. He was called the monster of Canuck Chase, and he died in prison in 2014, aged 84. 84? 84, after serving 45 years. I hope the prisoners looked after him, so to speak. I hope so too. Mm -hmm. But in all of that... I still found it difficult to look at any history other than, you know, yes, there are burial sites there. Mm-hmm. Yes, there are places of um, deep-rooted, long-standing history. Oh, it's nothing like a deep root, mm-hmm. Bernada. Yep. Um, we have this terrible murder that's occurred, but that doesn't... That Okay, a couple of hauntings, right, Anne? I'm, I'm expecting you to. I'm expecting you to come up with the goods here because there's four can, books worth can, of hauntings. I can attach a few of these hauntings to some of these things. All right, but a, a pig man, a snake, a panther, a bigfoot, a, a werewolf, werewolf, shadow people, black-eyed children. What the hell? UFOs, what, aliens. What the hell? Yeah. So take it away. Because I'm I'm lost, I'm lost. Well, thanks for picking this one. Um, <laughs> I I have literally been home two days, and I've been trying to get this together for today. And um, I messaged Renata this afternoon, and I said, "My God, this is huge." Yes, it is. Wow. Um, so what I've done is I've tried to concentrate on some of the hauntings that have appeared. Now I'm just going to mention some of them briefly. Some of them I'll give you some stories on. Um, and then if we can throw some light onto them and our thoughts as we go. Mm-hmm. But I do have a nice quote to end it all up on and, oh, good. and wrap it up. And wrap it up in a ribbon. Yeah, yeah. So Shugborough Hall is the ancestral home, as you said, of the Lichfields. Um, now, there is a, a haunting at this particular castle. Mm-hmm. Lady Harriet, who died during childbirth, still haunts the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, but now, you know how we always said, why is it that we don't have servants that are haunting? It's always ladies and lords and special people. Well, they've got a former housekeeper. Oh, she God is lover. haunting the kitchen. She's elbowing her way. That's right. No, it's all about me. Yep. She wants some personal hygiene in there. Then nobody's been scratching their bum and then making the bread. <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> Staff claim that is they that often. How you make yeast? <laughs> I don't know. Oh, Renata. <laughs> don't know. That's that creamy substance. <laughs> No, stop, stop, stop. Yep, go back, go back. Anyway, they've heard the rustle of her skirts and have seen her figure pass the window. No. Now, um, as you mentioned also, there was the castle ring. Mm-hmm. And this is where they've seen a figure of a man who was very tall in black. Um, he approached a man who fled in terror. Later, he claimed that the vision that he saw was wearing a long Victorian coat, had red eyes mm-hmm. and a mouth full of teeth that looked like razors. Mm. You know who they thought this was? Who? Slender Man. <gasps> Slender Man. Now, Slender Man is something that's only been created recently. Yes. And I think it was for a movie. <laughs> yes, I, I, it was. Yeah. Uh, but now he's turned up at the castle ring. There you go. That's 2,000 years old. Right. With, over there with the satanic rituals. Mm-hmm. Fabulous. Um, now, there's lots of soldiers that have been seen running through the woods. But remember, mm-hmm. it was yes a, a, an army base. Yes, it was. And there's um, plenty of soldiers buried yeah. on the site. So I can tick that box. I can understand that. Yeah. And the, the first Marquis of Ong- Onglaisi, <laughs> Julio. <laughs> 
Anglesey is spotted several times. Um, now, I saw a picture of them. Somebody had painted him and he was headless with a horse. And I went, that's it? They've chucked in the headless horseman as well. I don't think that's but how How we... do they know it's him? I don't know. He's holding his head. Is he holding his head? In the picture he was. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> uh, there is another ghost that's been seen of an old man with a cane and a wide-brimmed hat. Um, there is a ghost of a bedraggled woman. Uh, it might be us after a ghost hunt. <laughs> uh, there's a ghostly parachutist, a phantom cyclist, um, a ghost of a young monk who seems to be lost in the woods. So we, we've ticked off a few there. Yes. Uh, yes. But I, I thought I might go into a little bit of detail on some yeah. of the... Uh, I, I just want to remind people this whole thing about the chase being open to the public. Mm-hmm. And so when you're wandering around at two o'clock in the morning thinking mm-hmm. that you're the only one there, Mm-mm. you may well not be. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. If you're looking for plump lips that last, you need to know about Juvederm Lip Fillers. With Juvederm Volbella XC and Juvederm Ultra XC, your lip look, whether it's subtle or bold, can last up to one full year with optimal treatment and no additional maintenance. Find a licensed specialist and see if it's right for you at Juvederm.com today. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Add fullness to lips in adults over 21 with Juvederm Volbella XC or Juvederm Ultra XC. Do not use if you have severe allergies or a history of severe allergic reactions, or if you're allergic to lidocaine or the proteins used in Juvederm. Tell your doctor if you have a history of scarring or taking medicines that decrease the body's immune response or that can prolong bleeding. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. As with all fillers, there's a rare risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. For full, important safety information, visit Juvederm.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical new user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. 
So let me tell you okay. about the panther. Oh, the panther, right. We've got panther sightings here in... Um, we do, in Newcastle. At, well, not in Newcastle. Newcastle. It's uh, out Cessnock Way, is it? Mm. Out that way somewhere, Clarence Town? Anyway, um, big black cats. Uh, so there's been a sighting of a snarling black panther, and the police came out to search because of terrified residents. Um and they were talking about one that was seen last Tuesday. I don't mm-hmm. think it was the Tuesday just gone. I think no. it might be a little while ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, and eyewitnesses told of a large, muscular black cat, roughly three feet long, prowling through the woodlands near the Canic Chase Enterprise Centre. Mm-hmm. looking for a Macca's hamburger that might have been chucked out. Uh, terrified witnesses fled as the beast came within metres of them, seeming to appear from nowhere. Voila! <laughs> Uh, we're, we're, I thought that said warehouse wanker. <laughs> it's a warehouse worker. <laughs> oh, oops. Oh, he, dear. He, this is Anthony. He was 42. So it was around lunchtime. A lot of people are saying they heard something like a growl, but I didn't. Did you know you speak with an Australian accent in Britain? <laughs> That's amazing. I heard a rustling noise in the bushes. Oh, <laughs> As soon as I turned my head, I could see something in the trees, a large black shape moving slowly. It was acting as if it couldn't see me. It just strolled past at a distance of about 10 feet, went into some thicker bushes and was gone. Voila, voila. I just, so you can't say poof anymore because when no. we used to say poof. <laughs> poof, No, the poof is something you put your feet on. But she used to like magic trick, poof, it's gone. But mm-hmm. now everyone gets upset and thinks that you're ripping people off and we're not. We're just old. Um, <laughs> Sorry, that went, that went south really quickly. <laughs> anyway, um, he, he said, I called some people over, but as I did, they ran over to tell me what they'd just seen. It was an eerie feeling. Mm. Uh, so there was quite a few people who witnessed this creature. Um, they said that we didn't know whether to run, climb a tree or stand still. <laughs> it was growling to itself and just walked along. And I'm still shaking now thinking of it. So this sounds like something that actually happened. Mm. Mm. Uh, and people did keep... Um, exotic animals. Exotic animals as pets. Yes. Um, plus, is it possibly a rather large cat? Black cat. Oh, you've seen my yeah. Ollie. He's about two feet long. Th- yeah, three feet. Yeah, pretty substantial. Yeah. Could be a Maine Coon. Yeah, it could be. Oh, I love them so much. <laughs> but did you know that there has been more than 2,000 sightings of black cats recorded in Canet Chase? 2,000. What? That's crazy. But not only do we have black cats, Uh we've got big feet. I'm sorry, Bigfoot. So there's reports of a strange beast roaming through Canic Chase. And now the paranormal investigators are investigating. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So it's said to be roaming the woodlands. A number of eyewitnesses yet again. Um, And, oh, hang on. We've got a mention of Red Indians. No. I know, right? (laughs) (laughs) All right. So um, there's a number of eyewitness accounts are adding weight to the allegations that Sasquatch, as Red Indians have dubbed the creature, is alive. So I managed to to weave the Indians in there. (laughs) Now, there is an X-Files reporter, um, Nick Redfern, has been monitoring the sightings from the Castle Ring to Slitting Mill. (laughs) I think they actually did things in Slitting Mill. Did they? they 
They, did they, they do things to the slit? No, they they slit timber. I think. That's oh right. right. It's a very very simple way of saying. Well, that's what it is. Like a the bakery, they yeah. bake. Yeah, that's right. Jeez, rocket science. Um, yeah. So, oh, what else have we got here? There was a really funny thing that I read about. Um, the Americans got upset. Oh, hang on. Here's a description. Uh, one of the party of four that witnessed it, it was a tall man-like figure sort of crouching forward as we passed and it turned and looked straight at us. I would describe it as being six foot eight inches looking strong looking with a darkish brown, blacky brown coat. Oh, it's wearing a coat. Mm. It's a civilised Sasquatch. Civilised Bigfoot. Oh, well, it's English. The English do like to do things the right way. Oh, this is just going to go to poop, isn't it? <laughs> anyway, they got goosebumps thinking about it. <laughs> Someone else described it as a seven-foot creature with short, shiny, dark brown hair. They'd had a trim. Large head and eyes that glow bright red. They always glow bright red. Of especially, they do. especially when you shine a torch in them. Oh, and they said it also had an owl-like, owl, owl-like cry. Ula, which Woo-hoo. is German. Woo-hoo. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that was some teenagers in the woods getting it on. I don't know. Um, now, look, the USA gets really upset about this because there's photos that have been put up of the Bigfoot. Uh, and I, I have actually saved some of the photos and I'll get them to put them up. Um, but the there's a transatlantic row with the United States over the treatment of the current crop of Bigfoot stories. Websites websites devoted to paranormal activity across the globe have featured our stories prominently, with many researchers concluding the mysterious creature could have taken up residence over the chase. But so, how do you get here? Well, I don't know. But that's a that's too hard a question to okay. ask, Renata. Right. Okay. Just being difficult now. Um, many of the pictures that they've featured have prompted derision. Mm-hmm. It seems we are not dealing with it seriously enough. In fact, if you study the majority of the comments, you can't help but imagine the famous Monty Python Sergeant Major issuing the order, Stop it now, it's getting silly. <laughs> But clearly, um, dicking about on Photoshop for five minutes is easier than getting out and researching a story. Oh, they've got their knickers in a knot about this one, (laughs) haven't they? The sad fact is that all this will do is make people less likely to come forward for fear of being ridiculed. So the whole story grinds to a halt and the actual solution to the mystery remains elusive. The stories are accompanied by the god-awful collection of photoshopped snaps with pictures of gorillas and Chewbacca pasted into forest scenes. (laughs) (laughs) And this is what makes it so hard because someone, some poor bastard has really seen something and possibly taken a photograph and then you have these other people coming on and doing photoshopped stuff. To make it just all a joke. Yeah. How often do we see stuff that's been oh. photoshopped and they say, oh, no, we know that they wouldn't do that. Well, yeah. they have. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, the thing with this, though, it's been with them since 1879. They've had documents that show there was a report of ghostly ape men, ape men that were discovered back as far as 1883. Mm-hmm. Now, in the Shropshire Folklore, oh my God, I can't get my mouth around that. A weird story of an encounter with an animal ghost arose of late years uh, and it was on the 21st of January, 1879, a labouring man was employed to take a cart of luggage from Ranton in Staffordshire to Woodcock beyond Newport of Shropshire. He was late in coming back. 
His horse was tired and could only crawl along at a foot's pace, so that it was ten o'clock at night when he arrived at the place where the high road crosses Birmingham and Liverpool Canal. Just before he reached the canal bridge, a strange black creature with great white eyes sprang out of the plantation by the roadside and alighted on his horse's back. He tried to push it off with his whip, but to his horror, the whip went through the thing and he dropped it on the ground in fright. So the man recovered from the fright and returned home and excitedly spread the story. A few days later, a policeman appeared and told the man, that was the monkey man, sir. Mm-hmm. So is that maybe just someone who, like back in those days, they they didn't have proper care for someone who might have been um, mentally deficient? Mm-hmm. Could be, we, yeah. we have stories of even here in Monty... Yep. Um, Christo, where they chained up a, mm-hmm. a somebody who had been brain damaged by some accident, yep. uh, and somebody's got out. Yes, yes. I guess the thing about it is his whip went through him. So yeah, that's what's he seeing. But, but it was when ten you're o'clock under, at yeah, night. When you're under stress, uh, and something like that catches you out, your brain doesn't have time to interpret everything. So he may have thought it had gone through him, but it didn't. Yeah, mm. I. Um, now, there is this person who thinks they've got a paranormal theory for the beast. I yeah. think that the Canic Chase Bigfoot has paranormal origins and is linked with a large amount of paranormal activity in the area. Uh, if this creature was flesh and blood, there would have been uh, more than one to ensure reproduction. There would be a colony of them in the chase, and we'd see massive evidence of feeding on the local animal population. Now, they do talk about some deer that were killed, um, mm. and they said that one deer that they found, this family that was walking in the, the forest, was very neatly dissected and carved up and the meat cleanly taken off it, but it was still fresh because the meat was still red. Mm. That sounds to me like someone who's gone into the forest and killed a deer and taken the meat. Yes. That doesn't yes. sound like a Bigfoot. Yeah, and... You know, um, I don't know whether they're allowed to do that in those forests. No, they're not. Oh, my God. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so um, who knows? Uh, I really don't know. There's a lot of things that are going on there. I think they're thinking it's some sort of interdimensional beast um, that pops in and out. And uh, I don't know. Anyway, let's go on to another animal, shall we? Yes. Do you want to hear about the demon dog? I do. Oh, I love a demon dog. Um, the hound... Is also known as the ghost dog of Brereton. Been seen seen on numerous semen. <laughs> no, we've been on holiday, haven't we? Uh, uh, hang on, the ghost, oh, I've lost my spot now. Um, it's been seen on numerous occasions stalking the roads leading to Brereton. The apparition has been described as large, black, muscular, with sharp, pointed ears and strange, glowing eyes. Now, they say in the British folklore that this is often a harbinger of someone's doom, someone's going to die. Yes. Uh, And there have been sightings in the 70s and the 80s. Um, There was one person that said uh, in 1972, Nigel Lear described seeing a ball of light crashing into the ground, they slowed down to take a closer look and was confronted by the biggest bloody dog they've ever seen. Oh. In a ball of light. Wow. Within a month, one of Mr. Lee's close friends died in a terrible industrial accident, which Mr. Lee believed was connected to the apparition of the dog. 
That's a stretch. That's a stretch. And People I'm... die in life. There is accidents in yes. life. And as horrible as that is, and I would never wish that on anyone, I think that is a stretch. Mm. Uh, January 1985, there is a report of a hellhound stalking the coal pit lane in Burton. Um, so Sylvia from Canick Wood Road described a strange misty figure moving across the road as she and her husband drove on a warm and clear summer night. We even need a parker on their clear summer nights, don't we? Mm. Uh, although he, they could not explain the incident, they believe it's connected to the dog law of Brereton. So that that's that one. And then I thought, oh, we must be getting to the end of it. No, mm. no, no. Uh, mutant snake. Mm. What's a mutant snake look like? Well, 14-foot snake lurking in the undergrowth <laughs> with bright colours. Mm. Um, Nick Redfern's back at it again and he's he's looking for the monster mutant uh, and they believe it's got links to the Loch Ness monster oh, of course of mm. course mm-hmm. uh, they see it around near the German cemetery maybe it's just a large bratwurst it's on the loose no no Kransky no okay mm. uh, brightly coloured with a powerful head now once again we talked about the uh, the panthers Exotic animals. Yes. People have kept snakes. Now, I can imagine a large python. Yes. They are quite brightly covered. They've got a big blocky head. Um, That could just be someone, a snake that's got out. Yeah, let it go in Canic Chase. Let it go, let it go. Uh, The beast had a powerful head and colouring that stood out sharply against the greens and blues of the bracken. Another sighting of the the snake was in the summer of 1976. Um, there was a uh, this Mr. Dodd said he spotted the super snake in a small slitting mill pool. It was a bloody stifling day. I remember swinging something to drink and having a bite when there was something moving on the bank. He was stunned to see a seven foot long creature surface from the water. And then bask on the fringes of the pool. It sort of wriggled. It was like its whole body seemed to sort of shake and wobble as it moved. I don't know. Hmm. I know it saw me or saw the car, definitely, because it looked right in the direction, then went back up to what it was up to, just laying there. Yeah. Anyway, that's uh, some of this information today. I, sh- I should give me my, give you my sources. Uh, tomato, barbecue. Uh, no? Oh, now I can't find it. I've written them all down here somewhere. Mysterious Britain. Um, Haley is a ghost. Uh, the Birmingham Mail. Uh, Birmingham Mail.com. I'm flinging pages everywhere. <laughs> Huff Post. Oh, it's oh. always a good one. Um, Don't yeah. forget Lee, Lee oh, Brickley. Now, now, the books that uh, were gifted to us as well, we, we've got three of them here. Uh, UFOs, Werewolves and the Pigmen by Lee Brickley. And then we have Ghosts of Canic Chase by Lee Brickley. And then we have The Black Old, Black-Eyed Child of Canic Chase by Lee Brickley. Um, Lee, you, you really needed to get someone to spell check before you printed that up, my love. Um, anyway, back to the... Um, some Oh, where are we up to? Oh, yes. Now, I'm going to come back to this. I've got to put a little star here so I don't lose my spot. Um did you did you see the one where there's babies nailed to a tree? Yes, that's just recent. Yes, yes, that's odd. No, as, as you know why? You know yeah, why that was done? Hang on. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is odd. 
All right, it so is odd, but this this, this was during COVID. This um, person uh, was out walking, and they started to explore further into Canic Chase because they couldn't go and visit other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and they discovered an assortment of creepy baby dolls when she was walking over the chase. Um, it's actually, it's almost a year ago. The 64-year-old waded her way through the undergrowth and discovered a clearing where a number of trees stood with dolls nailed and tied to them. There, they were in some sort of order. Their dresses were all raggedy and they were all tied and nailed to the trees. And as I came out of the woods, I saw a sign that said this was the operating theatre for the old pensions hospital. I've got a friend who is a spiritual medium and she wanted to go out and take a look up there to see if she can feel anything. She later went back to the site to check out the dolls again. It wasn't that scary. I stood amongst the dolls. I was saying prayers. I talked to the dolls and wished the children who used to live in the mining village eternal rest. So this is the Mystery Pensions Hospital which closed in the 1920s, which you mentioned. Mm-hmm. Um and the buildings were acquired by the colliery to the house, house miners along with their families. And the site was known as Brindley Village and had a school and the men's club. And the village lasted till the 1950s. Uh, but I didn't actually see why the dolls were there unless it's something to do with the hospital. Well, I found a document that said that that was a setup because someone was doing some filming. I had a feeling that's scary what it would be. filming. And they were doing some sort of little mini horror thing or something rather, and they set it all up in the forest. Um, and maybe they just left it there because it looked spooky. Well, I mean, there's been lots of locations we've gone to uh, where they've used it for filming and they've splattered blood around and put yeah. handprints and yeah. things like yeah. that and left it there. Yeah. Um, so I, I totally get that. Oh, yes. It's been responsible for a lot of things, those ones, haven't it? Um, all right, we've got to get on to the black-eyed children. Uh, so there have been sightings in the Staffordshire Forest since the 1980s. Uh, some people think it's you know, bull dust, uh, and others believe it is the tormented soul of a young girl who was murdered there in the 1960s. And then there are others who are convinced that it's aliens mm-hmm. or demons. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, I have a story here that I got from people who had uh, an experience. Kylie and Ben say they saw the ghoul of Birch's Valley during the summer of 2021. This is fairly recent. Mm -hmm. The coronavirus pandemic had kept the two teenagers whose names had been changed to protect their identity uh, apart so that, um, sorry, they they were kept apart so they decided to steal the night away together and camp illegally in the middle of the forest. Oh, Oh. better nookie. Uh, That's now, asking for trouble. They told Lee Brickley, now he's the one that's written these books, yes. um, that they really did sort of said it was such a bad decision. Around midnight, when the teens heard something moving outside the tent, thinking it'd be a deer, they remained still and quiet, not wishing to spook it. But when they realised they could hear footsteps, they unzipped the tent to take a peek. Both campers heard the unmistakable sound of a small child giggling, so they turned on their torches, lighting up the shadowy woodland to try and find the source. Ben saw it first, running from tree to tree, hiding itself behind the trunks and occasionally peeking out towards the couple before finally stepped out into the clearing in front of them. I was absolutely terrified, Kylie said. 
I'd read the stories in the news about the black-eyed child, but it wasn't until the thing stood right in front of me that I could quite believe them. I knew instantly that they were dealing with the real thing because it moved in ways humans simply can't move. It was like it could teleport from one place to another when it was moving around and hiding behind trees. Ben added, I was shining my torch right at her and she just stood there staring at us with her head slightly dipped. That's when the giggling started to get louder and louder. It really sounded like it was coming from all around us, so I could see she was right in front of us. It was really disorientating for a few minutes, seconds. Then she bent down for a moment as if to adjust her shoe, stood back up and ran off down the nearby path, a dense section of trees. The frightened pair huddled together in their tent, waiting for the sun to rise. When they emerged at 7am, they found piles of stones evenly spaced around the perimeter of their tent and strange stick formations hanging from the trees which looked like dream catchers. Mm. Slightly shaken, they packed up and started the 15-minute hike back to Ben's car. Suddenly, Kylie spotted a small child with black eyes peering at her from behind an oak tree and screamed. Ben said, he shouted, Leave us alone! Or was it, Leave us alone! And the pair ran off towards the vehicle. That's a story and a half. That sounds like a movie. Yes. It does sound like a movie, doesn't it? Um, If... I encountered that. Well, number one, I would never have opened that tent to have a look. <laughs> no number way. one, we wouldn't have been camping. <laughs> no, no, we wouldn't have been camping. Well, yeah, let's start there. But let's say someone gave us $10,000 to spend a night in Canic Chase. We would. Yeah. And, um, yes, I wouldn't be opening that uh, anyway. No All way right. in the world. All no. Right. no. Um, I'm going to fling that because we're almost up to an hour already. So I've, yes. I've got to hear about the pig man. I'm going to the pig man now. Okay. In the early 1940s, a pig man, a, a half human, half swine, um, terrorized the people of Canic Chase. Witnesses recall a human body in tattered clothes, a distorted face, an unmistakable snout, and the sh- shrill squeal of the pig man. They could hear it for miles. Now, the Pigman. Uh-huh. This was at the time that they had the army base uh-huh. in Canic Chase. Yes. And uh, they do believe what was happening was that they had somebody that was dressing up in that costume uh, to scare off the locals from going too close to the army base. So it was a little bit of a ruse mm-hmm. to scare people away. But you know what these things are like. A rumour starts and mm-hmm. uh, it just takes off. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then they're seeing it for years afterwards. Yes, and they, they allegedly said that uh, evil undertakings and oh, experiments absolutely. were yep. being um Happening, and so they were trying to morph humans and um, animal pieces yeah. together, and the pig man happened. Well, you, I mean, I you... look. I even heard a story where they impregnated a woman. Oh, with um, whatever a pig produces, Sperm? and yes, and uh, apparently she didn't come to term. And the whole, yes, yes, this is written down somewhere. She didn't come to term. So there was no delivery of a baby piglet slash human being. But that was a ruse. That was kind of a furphy. 
actually they took her away into a hiding spot and she did give birth. Oh, there it to is. To this creature. That's it. So, yes, that's been written down. You know what happens when things are written down. Oh, as soon as it's written down, we know on Facebook or YouTube or wherever it is written, Twitter. Once well, it goes in writing, it's real. I found it. Yep. <laughs> oh, dear. Um, now, also, just heading back to Bigfoot. Yes. There is a man that came forward and said, now, listen up. It was me that was the Bigfoot because I was filming something and I was dressing up as a Bigfoot and running through the forest and it was for... This movie that I created, he even put up clips of it and people are going, oh, no, 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 that's not Mm -hmm, it. And he's mm -hmm. going, but it was me and Mm -hmm. nobody will believe him. But in saying that, they had um, reports back to the 1800s. There was reports before he did that stunt. Mm Mm-hmm. Oh, look, I have to give some honourable mentions to um, an alien that was spotted. Uh Um, He was spotted pushing a car up a hill. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, there's been numerous UFO, UFO sightings over the chase for years. Um, a ball of light. Uh, I did have some stories about uh, an abduction, a UFO crash. Um, the werewolf, uh, supposedly also seen in Canic Chase Cemetery and other locations. Um, the phantom cyclist. Oh, there was a haunted toilet. Uh, a, a what? A haunted toilet. I can give you that one. That's, that's, that's not too long. So this is out of Lee Brickley's book, Ghosts of Canic Chase. Uh, and these are reports from witnesses. Uh, most people are unaware of the fact, but in Canic Town Centre, in the, the end of the Bowling Green, there are two toilets that have been remained hidden from sight for more than 20 years. You would not know they were there if you go looking for them today, but that is because they were bricked up in the early 1900s, never to be seen again. The toilets are technically under the end of the bowling green where there is now a bandstand of sorts. There are originally two entrances, one each side of the bandstand, and both have steep to- uh, steep down to the toilets. Oh, steep. Steps. <laughs> steps. I shouldn't have had that glass of wine. <laughs> so they had steps down into the toilets underneath. Um, they The council claimed that they bricked them up to stop drug use and criminals hanging around down there, but there is a different explanation. Mm. The toilets themselves played host to a terrible murder that goes unsolved to this day. Allegedly, a local man walked down the stairs to use the toilets one evening after having a few bevvies at the Royal Oak pub. How many Royal Oaks are there? An hour later, someone else walked into the toilets and found his body. The man was lying on the floor with a broken neck and blood seeping out of his mouth. Police investigated the crime, determined it was definitely murder, but they never found the culprit because, um, hang on, quite, could that be because the crime had paranormal roots? Have you ever had a paranormal root, Renata? No. No, me neither. Oh, no, actually, almost did it, mate, in a jail. Um, I've spoken to a few locals. (laughs) She's got the giggles. (laughs) I always say to people, use that toilet. You'll have a good fun there. (laughs) It's a gropey one. It's a gropey one. Oh. Um, oh. oh, no, maybe you've visited this toilet here. I've spoken to a few locals who tell stories about seeing what they describe as an old hag <laughs> <laughs> standing behind them when they stood at the urinals <laughs> in the toilet. You've been standing behind the fellas while they're peeing, Renata. The urinals. Uh, yeah. <laughs> urinals. Urinals. Uh, they would often see her in the mirror. And almost injured their neck from swinging their heads around so fast, but she was never there. Oh no! They only Can't ever catch saw. Me. 
<laughs> She's quick. She doesn't want to be caught spying on men's willies and urinating into the no, urinal. No, disgusting. Uh, according to one man who contacted uh, the person who wrote this book, she would sometimes reach forward with her haggard fingers <laughs> as if she was going to grab the back of their necks. Oh, yuck. What do uh, you do when you're menstruating? <laughs> <laughs> Turn around and pee on her, I reckon. Oh, no. <laughs> Did oh. I ever tell you the story about my son? No. <laughs> Our people love my stories. When Alex was in like year two at school, which is that he was about seven or eight. Is that the one where he pees up the wall? His best friend Mitchell, they were at the urinal, Mm -hmm. the pee trough, doing their business. And Mitchell has said, oh, look at that. So Alex has turned around mid-stream and peed on him accidentally. (laughs) Is that it? We got in trouble. I got called to the principal's office over that. They had to suspend him for a day because he peed on another student. Oh, he didn't mean to. No. Um, and like Mitchell wasn't upset about it anyway. Hi, Mitchell. Um, anyways, the whole thing was hushed up by authorities. Um, and this is where you spell received as R E C E I, not I E. Mm-hmm. We've got it back to front. Uh, a couple of weeks after this happened, the toilets were bricked up and nobody was ever allowed to go down there again. Yeah, I doubt it. I reckon that's just a good local legend. But um, a lot of these stories which are now circulating seem to come from these books. I don't know whether they come from the books or whether they're the stories that have gone into the books. But um, I'm going to finish up my little part. Is there anything you want to add? Because you said something about the tunnels. Tunnels? You said something about the tunnels would be one of the theories. Oh, yes, yes. I did read that uh, some of the locals stayed away um, and yeah they stayed away because the place is riddled with with tunnels and holes in the ground so it's and dangerous it's very easy once you get off the path to yep fall down one of these tunnels and then you're gone yeah, people disappear yeah your people disappear but and um, they say that uh, in those tunnels there is the perfect place for all of these creatures to lie in oh, wait it's a menagerie and exist and so that's why they've chosen Canic Chase mm-hmm. to be their home mm-hmm. now, now just just a thing oh, these, okay. these books were written in 2013 so your first werewolves not, and the pigman but there's one that's just come out there's a fourth book uh-huh um, so he's he's cracking them out, but uh, this one was written in 2021. Ah, right. So yeah, the print's getting bigger and the pages are getting, getting thinner. <laughs> but let me finish up with a quote. Now this is from HaleyIsAGhost.co.uk. Mm-hmm. Now Lee Brink Brickley has form for this sort of thing and has featured numerous times on my blog over the years he has made a series of ludicrous claims about sightings of black-eyed children slenderman and more either lee brickley is the luckiest paranormal researcher walking the planet or his standards of evidence are incredibly questionable i know which one of these options i'd put my money on Mm. so is it people having a little bit of a lark and making up these stories? I, one of the videos I watched on YouTube was a man just going for a hike through there and he, he's zooming in with his camera on this blurry patch going, oh, I can see something over there. It's looking at me. And he was like serious about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It's the, the images are all very blurry and and mm-hmm. not great quality. But it it is an ancient 
forest, wood. Mm-hmm. There have been people there for thousands of years mm-hmm. with different beliefs to us. So, I mean, it's quite possible. I'm just... I'm suspicious of the fact there are so many boxes ticked for... Everything. Everything. Yeah. yeah. I would... Yeah. To me, there could be a lot of things going on associated with the burial sites um, and deaths yep, on, on and around the area, but most definitely not everything. And like, look, as soon as they start mentioned. saying demonic and Satan yeah. and all that sort of stuff, when it's clearly not the time frame for that belief system, yep. that just gets my back up. Yep. Straight away, I think, well, that's all bulldust. Yep. And it's easy enough to go back and find information from sites that tell you who was there prior and what their disposition was. Um, and whether they, are, they were a warring people, if you want to go back to the, the earliest inhabitants um, or not. Yeah. yeah. You know, so you kind of go... Look, I could have gone on for another hour yeah. easily with the stories for this, but uh, check out Lee Brinkley's books if you want to read some of the stories. Um, they're a good yarn, good read. I don't know, honestly, I don't know the person, so I can't say whether I think he's making it up or not, mm-hmm. but they're very fanciful and it could be the people who are reporting it to him. I don't know. Mm. But is it haunted? Yeah. Could be. Is it haunted the way it's been put out there to be haunted? Mm. I'd have to see evidence of it. Yeah. Yeah. All right. I'd, I would like to go and visit it and get a feel for the vibe of the place, particularly since it's a place of outstanding beauty because yes. that would just be gorgeous. And we do love our forest, don't we? We do. Anyway, that brings us to the end of the first episode of True Hauntings for 2023. Now, we're going to structure things a little bit differently this year. We're not going to be cracking out 50 episodes, Renata. Don't look at me like that. What? Because we're what? going away for 12 weeks of the year. We can't physically do it. We can. We can't. We can. I reckon we do 40. I reckon we can do 40 episodes. Oh, look, you know, you're making, you're making me have Seven a little help. bit of a vomit in my throat. No, <laughs> I can't. <laughs> no. Uh, look, guys, if you want to support our work um, and show your appreciation, please become a Grand Poobah Patreon. Uh, just look up Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N, and look up Anne and Renata, and you'll find us there. Uh, you'll know there's not a lot of posts on Patreon. It's because we do it all in a secret Facebook group. Uh, but please support us. We would really appreciate it. That's it for us for this week. We'll be back next week with another episode. In the meantime, stay spooky. And see you on the dark side. And be frightfully good. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of True Hauntings. If you like the show, give us a five-star rating and leave a review. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening right now. For more on Anne and Renata, follow at Anne and Renata on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, and YouTube. Or visit their website, www.anneandrenata.com.
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no brainer. Use the Stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM.